Beyond Belief on Claire FM. Recently, I went to visit the youngest church in the Church of Ireland Diocese of Limerick and Killaloo. In fact, St Michael's Church in Kilorglan is unique in the Anglican Church in the whole of the island of Ireland, as it is the only one built in the last 40 years. The parish is served by two former Catholic Franciscan nuns who are now ordained as Anglican priests. I went to meet the Reverend Sisters Isabel and Anne-Marie and began by asking them exactly where Kilorglin was. Well, it's on the Ivora Peninsula. It's right down the southwest on the Wild Atlantic Way. And we actually have something called the Ring of Kerry here. And our church is on the beginning of that ring, which goes around some beautiful countryside, beautiful mountains, beautiful seascapes, and an area where there's no electricity at all, just further outside of Cologlin. But um, we have two parishes here, Isabel and myself, um, one is called Castle Maine, and the other is Kilorglen. Yeah, and the little town we live in in Kilorglen is very busy. It's got a few very good firms, Fexco to do with finance, world renowned, but the headquarters are here in Kilorglen, and two pharmaceutical companies which give great employment not only to the town but to the outlying districts as well. So there are main industries in the town. The church is very unique within the Church of Ireland. It is indeed. It's the one and only modern church built by the congregation. I've never worked in a community where the congregation built their own church. Never been a priest for a church like that before. And it was very special. We came over from a great big abbey in England, in the south of England, Sherborne Abbey. And when we walked into this church, I just went, wow. It was full of light. We've been there Stephen you know how beautiful it is semicircular so celebrating is amazing so what was there before this new building there is an older church down into again the older part of the town where the medieval street comes up from the big bridge that goes across the river Loun. most people know this town because of the puck fair which is associated with the defense of this town when the English were thinking of coming in to plunder the town, the wild goats came down off the mountains and alerted the local people to the movement of the army. But our uh, previous church, St James, which was built in 1826 was down near the bridge but it was very difficult for the older people to get up a hill and there was no car parking and so it served very well until about 1980 when some of the church members decided a new church was needed but it took them a good 20 years before movement came in but it's still a magnificent achievement, really, isn't it? I mean, how did they go about raising this money? Well, that was amazing because it was truly ecumenical. Granted, the Church of Ireland hugely supported them. And there was a wonderful solicitor, Liam Crowley, Crowley. who died very recently, who did so much work. A whole team of men and women worked to achieve this building. But it was the ecumenical dimension. Catholic communities supported us as well. It's just a stunning thing. to build a new church and it's built almost in the shape of one of the Reek mountains we're at the foot of the Reeks the highest mountains in all Ireland and one of the Reeks is almost 
a triangular in shape with, with a sort of sawn off top and our church soars up in a triangular shape beautiful letting in lots of lights and, and what happened to the old church what it's now been turned into a very good restaurant which is usually open in the evening and people have their wedding receptions there as well we've been in for one occasion for fundraising, um, fundraising for the hospice and it's beautifully turned around so it's a very good place to be and a good community centre. It served the community of the Church of Ireland. It now serves the broader um, community within the town and outside. This is about the fifth diocese that we've worked in, if we count the ones we worked in in England. And we've never worked anywhere with such progressive, innovative businesses. And that's been very exciting. There's Fexco, founded by Brian McCarthy in his daughter's bedroom, and that's geared towards finance. And I don't pretend to understand it, but I do know that when I use a card somewhere, Fexco are doing all the backup work behind the use of, of MasterCards, etc. And I learnt there something that Brian McCarthy has believed since the beginning of his firm. Research, develop and innovate. Research, develop and innovate. Now that's his technique for business and to me that translates wonderfully for spirituality. Looking at the Church of Ireland today and the Roman Church in our island of Ireland, both of them in the decline and it seems to me that if we want to be present and have something to offer society as I truly believe the Church of Ireland does have then that's exactly what we've got to do research our historic and rich tradition um, develop that in ways that are appropriate for the present time and the future and then innovate. And that's a really exciting mm. programme for our churches in Castlemaine and uh, Cologland. In fact, our two churches mirror something really interesting. Castlemaine is one of those traditional Church of Ireland churches built for a hundred people to attend. And Kilogan Church is ultra-modern, the church of the future. So we've got the best of both worlds there, the richness of the past and the excitement and the creativity and the innovation and the potential, yes, for the future. That is an exciting place to come for your very last ministry. We are certainly in our last ministry now. <laughs> so how has the pandemic uh, affected the community and how has it affected worship and how have you found ways to innovate to uh, <laughs> it to, took to us meet? a week to think what on earth we can do here we are about two uh, kilometers outside Cologne in the countryside where we asked the bishop if we could live and I thought to myself how on earth can we stay close to people so we started to write a letter a week which we still do and it's um, colorful it has lots of photographs and it's innovative and it's yes there might be ideas from the scripture reading usually the gospel reading for the coming Sunday but that's explored in very ordinary ways so we've looked at discussions about how it feels to be going through a historic pandemic so we created this letter to send yeah, out to everyone so people without computers we post the letter to them and anyone with a computer we send it by email to them but then also on Easter Day we really wanted to do something special and although I have done the occasional video on my tablet in a 
before I had never sent a video out to other people so we did a very short little service for Easter morning and because there's two of us celebrating we split it up between the two of us the, the different sections of it the funny part of that was the fact that actually we always smile when we walk onto the altar and greet people with a smile and when you do that and there's nobody else there but you too we look like startled rabbits caught in the headlights of a car and when we saw it a few weeks later it just looked so hilarious but it was meant with with heartfelt joy at being there for them so the lockdown for us was strange because as nuns who also happened to be priests it was much like our ordinary contemplative life but a busy time learning to zoom the technical stuff made it very busy for us and because we weren't very familiar with it it took us longer to get around things and I began to feel I wonder who will actually watch it and somebody some weeks later said it's people who are alone and probably feel that this little service is for them personally so that made me think it was worthwhile doing it even though the spectator or the engager was unknown and then fortunately one of our parishioners um, Stuart Brumfield is a really clever person with the internet and um, YouTube and filming and he came and helped us to improve the services so we used some Celtic services we used mainly morning prayer but a couple of times we did use a short form of the communion service so at least people could have communion by desire if nothing else but not often I think we only did that twice and we would intersperse a shortened version of our usual traditional Irish morning prayer but actually we would also put on some Celtic services. We worked in Cumbria for some years and there I was responsible for spirituality in the diocese and helping a team who trained the clergy and did a great deal of retreat work around the diocese. And the cathedral in Carlisle gave me a Celtic service which they used um, midweek and it was the best attended of any of the services in the cathedral actually and they allowed me to bring it away with me. So we used sections of that for services and people seem to find that very helpful um, we sent it out to obviously our own parishioners but we found that they were beginning to send it on to their friends or the principal Paul and Ibrichen, the principal of our little Church of Ireland primary school sent it out to all the parents of the school so gradually this little service, this little video was reaching out to the people beyond the churches and they're people who've always interested me, people who have floated away from the mainstream churches and don't really know where to go to find meaning in their mm. life and I'm perhaps not convinced that church is the right place to find it. So at one point, and this was towards the end of lockdown, Stuart said there were 667 for sure one Sunday. So that, that gives an idea. And we never get 667 in our churches, <laughs> not even when we put the two together. No way. 
And will you continue with this after the lockdown, do you think? We'd like to. We've had to put it on hold for the moment. Stuart, who really has taken over the filming and recording of the services, needs a bit more equipment now, which was hard to get during the lockdown. So when he acquires that, we will start streaming our Sunday services. But we had a discussion with him recently about that, and we've decided that at least once a month we'll put on an alternative service, something for those floaters, those people who uh, are perhaps longing for something, some meaning in their life or to hear some words of wisdom or to hear something beautiful that is uplifting and helps them face their daily lives and there will be one short service like that. And we haven't spoken about your other church, St Cartac in Castle Maine. When was that built? That is in the 1800s. One of the churches of the first fruits uh, supported by that. It had gone into dereliction and it was rebuilt in the early 1800s, as Anne-Marie said. But prior to that, there had been a Christian church on the site from a way back. Yes, it was a monastic settlement um, of St. Cartac. I think probably Benedictine in style but he eventually moved the community I think it became too large he moved it up to the Midlands of Ireland and uh, gradually that building fell into disrepair so it's quite a tiny little church but uh, very much loved and we've never worked in parishes so well cared for before and that's very fortunate the only thing that hasn't been well cared for is our rectory so we're living in a house with stunning views the sleeve mish going all the way down to Dingle and we can just see the blaskets on a good day and seeing the uh, Castle Main Harbour, the sea, which is stunning. But it's a rented house until our rectory is rebuilt. It's a beautiful old Gothic-style building, very large. It will make someone a wonderful building in the future. But it needs a lot of work, so it's going to take time. And where is the rectory? Well, that's a strange thing. It's at Milltown. Now, when we arrived, we also discovered that we had some buildings which were no longer in use, some of which were derelict. So each year I've been trying to work through them with Isabel to see if we can gradually sort them out, because otherwise you're paying insurance, huge insurance on buildings that can't be used. Now, in Milltown, there is a church, and it's been used by the farmer's market for the last few years. But over the lockdown, of course, they couldn't use it, and I don't know if they'll come back, but there is potential for another use for it, but it won't be used as a church again. It has been deconsecrated. Um, So it's strange to have a rectory there. And in theory, we've got three parishes, but the people, the few people remaining within the Church of Ireland from Milltown either go to Castlemaine or come to Cologlan. So when the building is complete, decisions will then have to be made about its future. But it will be more valuable to us as a complete building than as a derelict building. Well, Sister Anne-Marie, Sister Isabel, thank you so much for giving me that uh, insight into these two parishes and the excitement I can tell that you both have for these lovely places. It's been delightful. Thank you very much indeed. This podcast is produced by the Beyond Belief team. Join us on Sunday at a quarter to eight for Sunday prayer and at 9pm for Beyond Belief. Beyond Belief.